Hey, everybody. Welcome to Quizlet. It's the show where we chat with upcoming Quizitron panelists. I'm your host, Rebecca Watson. And today I'm talking to a past guest, a frequent Quizitron panelist, and a person who hosts more podcasts than I even have the time to listen to every week. You may know him from Night Attack, Jury, Politics, 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 or many others. It's Justin Robert Young. Hey, Justin. That's me. Uh, Absolutely a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for for doing this. Uh, I know that your your time is limited with all of your podcasts, so I appreciate you making time for this one. No, I, I that's uh, you know I wake up uh, every day and I and I think there's got to be a podcast somewhere that yeah. I can, that I can be a part of. It is right. it is at this point. I guess it is like like to the point of addiction. Probably like medically, I could I could find. <laughs> There's like elements of my life that I can say, yeah, no, they are fundamentally altered by my need to have my voice heard in an economically friendly format. Yeah. You you should be on uh do you know Joseph Scrimshaw? I do. Yeah. Uh we've uh been on a couple panels uh together, said said hello. He has a podcast called Obsessed, and you should be on there. And talk about being obsessed with hosting podcasts. <laughs> there is that. I think I should. I think I should. That would be that would be very very meta. I've seen that show like advertised, and I'm I'm always shocked that there's new obsessions. Like, there's so many. Yeah, everybody, and, and, you know, everybody. Maybe that's the thing about it is that everybody thinks theirs is is unique, and on some level it's not, but on another level maybe it is. Like, because if you're like, oh my god, I have you ever like connect with people because they love stuff, and you're like, oh, I, I love this thing. Well, you love this thing, and then you realize that they're like way more into it, and yeah, like, the point that you're tapping out, they're like, oh no, 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 please, come on, no, <laughs> there's these very, very, very quick meetings uh, three days a week, and you're like, man, I don't know. Oh. It, I feel like this is leading into a discussion of Pokemon. There is that. You've definitely fell into the Pokemon uh, uh, hole in in a very profound way, and you've taken me and 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 my wife uh, and your and your boyfriend with you. Yeah, now we're all trading every day. This is like <laughs> literally. I wake up and the first thing I see every day is my wife trading Pokemon gifts <laughs> with you, and uh, yeah. then my my walk to the gym is ceremonially me going through my list of people that I send gifts to. It, it is Wait, the real gym or the Pokemon gym? Well, both, actually. I'll, I'll, it's I'll both? Buy it. if, if there's a friendly gym situation for which I can park a Mon, then right. I'll, I'll do that But on, on the way to the, uh, to, to, to the gym. It's about to get even worse, by the way. Uh, I should warn you. So, yeah, I for those who don't know, Pokemon Go is a mobile app that – was really popular when it came out and then and we were all on it and then we all got bored of it because it kind of sucked but yeah. in the, the last six months or so they've made a lot of updates and now a lot of people are back in so i got back in and yeah i uh basically just pestered uh justin and his wife and my boyfriend <laughs> until they basically downloaded it just to shut me up you are definitely the 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 outbreak monkey like yeah. you were you were the you were the, the 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 thing that kind of lit the relit the fire because they're definitely like I don't know it just it just got to a point initially where I was just like oh, this app is just bad and like there's all these features that I kind of want but they're not yeah. even really able to make it 
make their app stable. And then every time I check in on the game periodically, either through news or I'd open it myself, it just was forever that Donald Glover community gif of you know walking into the <laughs> everything's on fire. I'm just like it was like oh well let's let's check back in on Pokemon Go and it's like Pokemon Go disaster festival <laughs> in Chicago nearly lead to riots and I'm like oh, okay Pikachu <laughs> opens fire on yeah. unexpected ground but now it's good uh, uh, yeah shout out to Niantic for uh, only taking a year and a half to make their <laughs> game uh, fun and usable somewhat playable yeah, yeah. well. You know, so you get uh, now they they've introduced friends, and there are XP rewards every X amount of days that you interact with your friends, and there are also things in game called lucky eggs, which you can use to double the amount of XP. And XP is how you level up and get better Pokemon and everything. And so, uh, just so you're aware, Justin, yeah. like in the next couple of days, we you'll be hitting like ultra friendship or something with me and my boyfriend and with Ashley. Yeah. So we're planning to like all we're, we're going to meet up and we're going to do it all at once. (laughs) So we're going to have like an ultra friendship ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cause otherwise if you open a gift while the other person isn't ready, then the XP will jump up without them having their lucky egg active. Okay. This is, it's really important. My favorite part of this sentence you just said was you <laughs> laughing nervously, realizing that other people were going to listen to those words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I fully. Well, admit, by the way, let me just say also, uh, 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 done. Where, where are we meeting? Okay. Great. Yeah. I knew you'd be into it. So. <laughs> Yeah, of course I'm into it. Are you, are you, are you high? This is going to be great. So, wait, so, so, so there's a big XP bump when we go from friends yeah. to super best friends. Yeah. There's like four hearts to fill and we're all about to fill our third heart. So that and that's like 10,000 XP or something. And if you pop a lucky egg, it's 20,000 XP. So it's really uh, important. Man. And and I, I will say, so we went out. They have these things. I think this is just us like half doing a like sponsorship read for Pokemon Go. But like, I know we did these this community day where they have like one special Pokemon that spawns like crazy all around you. Right. Yeah. So we went you know, we basically locked off a weekend <laughs> uh, and one of the days we did with you and your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, now there's there's just like i think from that point once you commit to just closing off a sunday yeah it's just over you know you're yeah. in you're in now you you've made these decisions i invested an entire weekend into pokemon go and uh so now it's it's like a sunk cost fallacy thing where it's like oh no, I, also i remember what i was going to say about that uh the, also we're in a place where things there's a a lot of spawning like we're in yeah. highly dense areas, so I guess this is better in big cities. Uh, but there's a lot of places for which these Pokemon kind of spawn because out here, there's like all right, and and again, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, for the listeners, but th- there are these things called shinies, right? So there's, <laughs> there's a special version of the Pokemon, yeah. and so everybody's comparing notes on how many shinies they get, and I felt bad. 
because I only got nine shinies. Right. And meanwhile, I'm talking to these people on the internet that are also really into it, but they're like, I got like two all weekend. <laughs> right. Like, oh, this is great. We just live in a very fertile area for Pokemon spawning. We're pokey privileged. We are. We live in we live in a a, a very pokey friendly <laughs> Yeah, love. We're playing on easy mode. I I have a pokey stop that I can reach from my apartment. So oh, that's inappropriate. I know it's it's not fair, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, get get some rest of the world. Yeah, I I, I think that that would be that's that's really good because that's also just XP on on tap, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and that's why all of my presents come from the same place. That's also why I had to change my username. My username used to be Rebecca Watson, but if you put a lure at a Pokestop, it's got your name on it. So yeah. I don't want people to know where I live just by like walking by and being like, oh, this must be the Pokestop outside of Rebecca's apartment. Although you know? although what a like Veronica Mars level way <laughs> of detective skills, you know, too. Like this is like a law and order SVU. Like this is the third act twist of how they find the killer by logging into the Pokemon game. You don't even know, like you should know because you have a thousand podcasts and, and so many fans online, but you don't even know. I have had people like figure out where I am based on, you know, where I appear in photos or how long it takes me to get to the dog park. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, there oh, are no, people no, out there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is imprudent or that, <laughs> right. that it's not an exploit for which you should patch. Uh, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that it is a smart thing and I am dumb for, for using my real name, by the yeah. way, yeah. Young, if you want to find me on Pokemon Go. <laughs> but, I, I I do I, I wonder like I, I guess it, it is not to say that there is somebody who is so depraved that they will not that they that they wouldn't do it, right? I just don't know who that person is. Well, and there's also you have to think of it from the reverse angle is just a person who lives in my neighborhood happens to see a Pokestop and recognizes yeah. my name and you know, so not somebody that's like flown across the country. <laughs> This, this is the other thing that I've heard because people have made fun of me to my face twice about using my real name on Pokemon Go. Yeah. Uh, one of them was- I think I was one of those people. And you just heard why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other was somebody who comes from a small town and says that he doesn't want, you know, small town where it gets around real fast. Right. If, only this is still theoretically we live in a in, in a very evolved free thinking part of the country for which an enjoyment of what is ostensibly a kids game is not necessarily <laughs> frowned upon but in a small town it's a little bit different so he has to use a fake name because he doesn't want to see when you're because you're leaving your pokemon in the gyms right that, like oh it's you know the guy who works at the deli Right, <laughs> he's the one who just destroyed all those ten-year-olds' Pokemon in that gym. Exactly, and then leaves like a three thousand CP, uh, whatever, <laughs> right. a Gyarados. And next thing you know, you're like, like, oh well, well now should I feel bad because he ruined my kid's day? Like, <laughs> uh, and you know, 
I I am definitely the patient zero, but my boyfriend is, uh, I think, a lot like me in that he immediately got very obsessive. And so in addition yeah. to the Pokestop outside of our apartment, we have a gym one block to the right and one block to the left. And he sees these as our gyms. <laughs> and there are times when he'll be like walking home from work and I'll get a text that says something like, those red motherfuckers took our gym. Can you meet me there? Like it's serious business. Like he, I feel like he's personally insulted that somebody personal pride. Yeah. On the, cause that's the other thing is you, you're split into three gangs. Well, as soon as you join, you pick a gang. Yeah. The Crips or the Latin Kings. Uh, No, no, no. Hufflepuff is the last one. (laughs) Is that, is that although I, uh, Ashley was telling me last night that uh, apparently they're second, they're they're second in popularity. Are they? What's yeah, first? Valor, so uh, uh, Mystic, the blue blue team, is oh. uh, is is first. Yeah. Then Inspire, the yellow team, and then Valor, the red team, which is what me and my wife are. Uh, what 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 set we rep? Yeah. That uh, we are we are third. I didn't. I wouldn't have expected that because back when the game first launched, it was definitely this idea that red and blue are the cool teams, and yellow is for idiots and children. Want to be that guy? (laughs) You're like, oh, look at me! I'm a yellow teamer. I'm going to spray you with a fake flower. Aren't Uh, I quirky? (laughs) Exactly. Aren't you adorable, Zoe Deschanel, (laughs) with your yellow? Zoe Deschanel is a yellow. Yeah. Oh my God, is she? (laughs) <laughs> but like vintage Zoe did like, like like back in like when when the heyday of the manic pixie dream girl. When yeah. do you think that like when do you think peak manic pixie dream girl ended? Oh gosh. Uh well I mean i I'd say the start was somewhere around Garden State. If we're Garden, talking Zoe. Garden State is Garden State's the the nadir, right? Mm. Like that's where it almost became self-aware without people calling it what it was and it is now the 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 example the yeah like, you can't it's watch n- that movie without looking at it and being like who is this person this is not a human <laughs> being right that's not what the the movie that uh spawned the actual phrase though was that um uh pleasantville is that what it was oh really Sorry. Um. Yeah, with uh, what's her chunk? Uh, that horrible, annoying girl that's in. Is it Reese Witherspoon? No. Oh gosh. Uh, she's in a lot of Sophia Coppola stuff. She was in. Oh, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Um, I think Kirsten Dunst is the original manic pixie dream girl. I might be wrong about that, but. I think that's where it started. So, like a writer for the onion, like traced it back. So according to the manic pixie dream girl, Wikipedia entry, God, Oh, good. Bless. Thank you for being on top of this. God bless. the. I have a mechanical story. keyboard, so I try not to Google things during interviews. No, it's fine. I got it. <laughs> uh, the earliest manic pixie dream girl, Catherine Hepburn and bringing up baby. Shut up. No, no. Incorrect. Yes. Incorrect. Catherine Hepburn, it's impossible for her to be a manic pixie dream. First of all, that's present day critics casting back this title. So 
you know, that's not who was the original descriptor was applied to. First of all, second of all, Catherine Hepburn imbued every character with depth and personality and do not come for Catherine Hepburn. Look, I mean, I'm like, she just, all right, so here's the definition by way of Wikipedia. Manic Pixie Dream Girl is a stock character type in films. Film critic Nathan Rabin, who coined the term after oh, observing Johnson's character yeah. in Elizabethtown. Oh, Elizabethtown. That's what it's called. Yeah, said that uh, MPDGs exist solely in the fevered imagination of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures, end quote. <laughs> Manic Pixie Dream Girls are said to help their help men without pursuing their own happiness, and such characters never grow up. Thus, their men never grow up. Yeah, I mean, yes, but... It also, it demands a certain amount of two-dimensionality, I think, and a lack of her okay, own personal one. motivation. You know, a lot of bringing up baby, like you, you're, you're really coming with, uh, <laughs> you know, okay. uh, coming to bear on this, on this characterization. I will, I will admit I have not seen bringing up baby in 20 baby. years. Okay. But it was my favorite movie growing up. Really? Oh, by the way, this list has, uh, uh. Audrey Hepburn as Holly Go Lightly in Breakfast is at Tiffany's as another well, man Pixie Dream. So no, that's uh, okay. I have so many problems with this. <laughs> uh, Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's. You, yes, you could describe her as that. Um, Breakfast at Tiffany's is just a whole wreck that you can read into it. Basically, it's like a um, – I, I feel like it's like a cinematic blot test, you know, yeah. Rorschach test, where, you know, the if you, if you read the book and you think that the film has anything to do with the book, then I think you will view the film in a completely different light as people who haven't read the book. I don't know. I'm, this is all uh, off the cuff, so I haven't. I have. I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about uh, this. I'm digging into this. Okay, here, here's a here's a flaming hot take. Okay, on Pixie Dream Girls by way of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl Wikipedia entry. Okay, check this one. 1991, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, Paige O'Hara voicing Belle in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> no. Is Belle from Beauty no. and the Beast a manic pixie dream girl? <laughs> Bonjour. Bonjour. Abs no. <laughs> Absolutely no. Belle, again, Belle has her own motivations, her own personality and background and inner monologue and thoughts. Manic Pixie Dream Girl is not a human. It's a yeah. tool that a male character uses to further his own storyline. So I mean, like yeah. Belle is literally, I mean, the plot of the movie is the beast realizing things, right? It is, it is the man being yes. forced to go on a journey by way of a woman. But I think that you kind of have to, that's you know, every like, like the, 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 the whole kidnapping and <laughs> like stuff like that, that, <laughs> really kind of needs to be whitewashed away for you to just only focus on well this girl is talking to this guy and he's learning about himself yeah and also you know bell changes and grows in that movie as well and i'm not don't make me hold up beauty and the beast as some sort of perfect bechdel 
like yeah <laughs> fantasy but uh no you know you, you can't have like the main character of the movie it's very difficult for the main character of a movie to be the manic pixie dream girl simply because the main character gets background like where did natalie portman come from in garden all right uh, uh, to answer the original question i think i found our i found our peak i found i found yeah. peak over here all right uh, 2000 through 2005 let me give you let me let me give you this this rundown here number one penny lane in almost famous i think that's fair that's i mean yeah about as by the way cameron crow a repeat offender because he also <laughs> Kirsten Dunst in Elizabeth Town. Uh, oh, that was Cameron Crow. Oh yeah! Wow. And then, uh, uh, 2001, you have uh, Charlize Theron in Sweet November. I don't really remember Sweet November. Keanu Reeves movie, I think. I think I actually saw that because Keanu Reeves was romantic in romantic drama based in San Francisco. Oh. Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron. I'm going to have to rewatch that now because I love all three of those things, setting and go. two characters. And I'm interested to see if uh, that's correct. Okay. And then I- 2004, uh, Natalie Portman in Garden State. And what's the next one listed? So then we, we get into Rachel Bilson in The Last Kiss. I never really saw it. Zoe Deschanel in Yes Man. I never saw that either. I think that was like a, like a like a Bobo Kmart liar liar, yes man. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I think you're right. Yes. Uh, And then Anne Hathaway, love and other drugs, Kira Knightley, and seeking a friend at the end of the world. But even then, like seeking a friend at the end of the world is like about an apocalypse. I don't feel like I kind of feel like manic dream girls because. They they compare it to the magical Negro character or the white savior protagonist, like these stock ideas right. that are literally just there for one thing. I almost feel like even putting on a more complicated plot on top of it takes you out of that. Yeah, I mean, I think in some instances, so Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, I really enjoyed that. And I I think it almost... It requires that all of the other characters simply be pushing this one main character on his journey in a way. Uh, I don't know. I would have to rewatch it with that in mind, but I will never do that because it's the most depressing movie I've ever seen and I I can't watch it again. So this is uh, uh, the counter examples listed, which would probably which would reinforce if we're going to move forward with this idea. Who said that there's not going to be science on this science podcast, by the way? Uh <laughs> That that are that that this is the end point of Manic Pixie Dreamgirls is you have both Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind and Five Hundred Days of Summer. I would fight with, both of those. Yes, no, 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 no. Those are counterexamples because they make oh. a point to say, "Hey, look at this quirky girl." Right. The story is really about the cluelessness of the male characters. Yeah. Want- these characters to be manic pixie dream girls and then ultimately understanding that not every breakup is because 
you're going to get back together and this is your story that you need to learn from. Yeah, I I love Eternal Sunshine in part because she has a whole speech about that, about how, you know, I'm not this wild, crazy girl that's just going to come and make your life perfect. And Yeah, uh, in fact, I have it right here. Too many guys think I'm a concept or I uh, complete them yeah. or I'm going to make them alive, but I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Yes, I love that. And I... I think you're right. I think once the industry becomes aware of the trope and then begins to satirize it, yeah, I would would say that that's the death knell. It doesn't mean that's not still happening. Like, not to say that it will never exist. Yeah. But when the slinky was the most popular, right? Like, there's like a point in which the, you know, now sales decline and, and the slinky will still be available forever. But there's always going to be the summer of 78 or whatever. Right. Well, did you um, – what did you think of criticisms of manic pixiness in Sorry to Bother You? So I – And let's try to do this without spoilers. Without spoiling stuff. Yeah. So Sorry to Bother You I loved. It, it, it might be to this point my favorite movie of the year um, in, in part because uh, – and I challenge other movies to be shot right in my neighborhood because <laughs> that eases me greatly. But uh, I, I think that there is a line and I'm glad we're kind of having these conversations, although that is sort of like almost now comically the cop out answer to any <laughs> right. thing, but that not every story has to be about everyone. And there is a difference between, I think a conversation that we're having about, the movie industry in general and stories writ large and the micro of like, well, does every movie need to pass the Bechtel test? Right. And it's like, Oh, I mean, it's a movie about like, you know, a, a boy's college or something like that. (laughs) Right. Probably not. Right. If it's a story about other things where there are characters that are all there, then yeah, it's probably a sign of health of your story that, that it does. And so, I don't think that Detroit in Sorry to Bother You is a manic pixie dream girl in that kind of her own her story is almost parallel to Cash's and is about her own independence and just because they have a reconciliation that's the only spoiler we'll give like there's an element of separation and then reconnection I don't think that that means that she is only there for cash. I think that she has her own very well stated and flu- and uh, uh, illustrated motivations that bring her back to where she is. And you kind of understand that she's going to do what she wants to do. And also it's very important for the plot that, you know, this is kind of the last straw for, for, for cash to make his, uh, make his decision. So I guess you can say, Hey, look, does the male main character, realize something by way of a eccentric female character yes but i think that's where we might get into the point where as you're pointing out like not every you know artist character lady who thinks kind of outside the box is a manic pixie dream girl yeah and i think that the setting really matters because if if she's uh if that character is just the lone spark in a dull world that then ignites the the male character's spark that is a sign of manic pixiness but in the case of sorry to bother you uh she detroit is 
is extraordinary in her own right. Uh, but she exists in in front of a backdrop that's equally colorful and and dynamic and interesting. You know, there are interesting th- things happening around them, and it's a you know it's a weird ass movie. It's it's you know purposely. Well, let, me, let me also ask you this: so is a manic pixie dream girl movie necessitated by a kind of listless, boring male protagonist that is really only there as an avatar for listless male viewers. Yes. Yeah. I I think that that's important is that in general, that, that main character is someone who's become disillusioned with the world because everything is dull to him and he needs this manic pixie dream girl to open his eyes to this other side of life and you know that's is juliet a manic pixie dream girl (laughs) wait as in romeo and juliet yeah bumming (laughs) protagonist guy Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. randomly sees this girl and then i mean i guess i don't know how many lessons he really learns yeah I don't girl. think either of them really learn much. I think they're just two idiots. <laughs> yeah. Can, I, 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 got, I got a good example, a well, uh, a well oh. delivered example of a manic pixie dream girl. Okay, go on. And then I, I've got one too. Okay. Oh, no, no. I mean, I've got, I've got another one. Actually, wait, let me go first. Oh, you go first. You go first. Ophelia. Ophelia is a manic pixie dream girl in Hamlet. So we are, so we're just, we're mining Shakespeare. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, if we can make this one stick, then we can update that Wikipedia article that claims that the first one is Catherine Hepburn, which. And we can cite, and we can cite this as as an example. Exactly. Uh, I mean, Ophelia does nothing except for pine after Hamlet and then off herself, which helps drive him matter i guess yeah. it's been a while since i've seen or read hamlet but. yeah i'm not i'm not i guess i'm not well read up on on hamlet enough yeah all right, what's, all right what's here's, here's my good example okay lisa bonet in uh creep uh, not, uh, high fidelity oh i was thinking of her daughter <laughs> uh in high fidelity i haven't seen that in a really long time all right, so uh, uh, for those who, who do not remember who haven't seen the movie, John Cusack doing his John Cusacky. I'm sad. He's going through yeah. a breakup. Uh, he works at a record shop. Making and, his top and, ten and, lists. Yeah, yeah, he's doing his top ten list. And, and Ascendant Jack Black is kind of doing his Jack <laughs> Black thing yeah. in the movie. But then they go see this singer – it's Lisa Bonet, and she uh, sings "Oh Baby, I Love Your Way." Hooks up with John Cusack, and he kind of realizes things about life that you know. He then goes on to reconcile with his girlfriend. Uh, but that is that is an example, and I think what what maybe the lesson here is is that that was like fifteen minutes of the movie, <laughs> not <laughs> the entire hour and a half. Zach Braff, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, yeah, in that case, she would be more of an anima because I think that uh, at its heart, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is an anima, which is would be like the female animus, which is the idea of uh, in a 
in a story, the main character is pushed along their journey by a helper of some sort that could be an animal or a person who is sort of uh, animal-like or that might be um, disabled in some way. Like that's a yeah. <laughs> weird thing about Adamas. Uh, I got really into this in college. Like <laughs> I took I took one of those like modern myth classes. And, gotcha. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I love this idea of an Adama. And once it's one of those like postmodern things that once you see it, you see it everywhere. And sometimes it actually is there. Uh, but yeah, like an anima is, is basically someone who ushers the hero along their journey. And the manic pixie dream girl is an anima who sticks around too long and is the only uh, embodiment of a woman in the movie. Um, so you come away from the movie thinking like, oh, that's what they think women are. <laughs> like it's it's all <laughs> real men and then this this anima who has been through no, the entire not, movie. But it, it is always kind of, uh, to borrow a parlance of our modern era, they're kind of beta cucks uh, in these, in yes, these roles. They right? 100% are, yeah. Like, but they need, so I guess maybe that's even the more insidious thing is that they're not just what women are, they're what strong women are, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like the woman that changes my life is kind of a haircut who listens to the postal service. <laughs> I feel attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I did feel attacked when I first started reading up on Manic Pixie Dream Girls. And that's when I realized I was a Manic Pixie <laughs> Dream Girl. You know, I, I'm quirky and I like having doomed relationships with baby men. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I have a weird haircut and I wear glasses and I listen to the postal service. <laughs> and then I drink too much and yell so before, at you. Yeah. So so before you were collecting Pokemon, you were collecting baby men. Basically, yeah. My entire history is like man children. <laughs> that you know, I that would would be inspired to save me <laughs> and thereby come into themselves. Is that uh, is that this is a this is a journey for them? Yeah, if they can can uh, can I don't know. I mean, well, but, it is. But, I mean, this is the thing, Justin. Like when you grow up, and yeah. like every movie you see and book you read and TV show you watch uh, is about a man's journey, and you see that the woman's place in that is to help him. You know, I never identified with women in films and stuff i identified with usually the the rogue type like the han solos yeah. and things like that um and when i started seeing manic pixie dream girls who at least had this extra <laughs> quirk to them like they weren't this like in the 80s it was always the stuck up bitch who like eventually learned to love the you know ravishing hero and I was never a stuck up bitch. I was a tomboy and a, yeah. a weirdo. So when you, you that's, that's actually an interesting idea then that like in a world of underwritten female characters, at least the manic pixie dream girl in this uh, uh, era that we are kind of defining here in the early aughts, at least they got the references, right? Yeah. Like at least 
the Postal Service was a cool band. Yeah. At least it was a cool haircut. At least they did dress cool. Right. I was like, oh, that's that's like me. And, you know, you don't – no one consciously models themselves after the media they consume, but it's what happens. And looking back 10 years later, 15 years later, I can I can see that, that I was – uh, subconsciously modeling myself on that archetype, this idea of being this freewheeling, fun-loving quirk master, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was thin gruel. Like, yeah. It's like, yes, it was food, but it was like, okay, well, I'm very excited that there's somebody that kind of looks like me or is acting in a way that, you know, or saying a thing right. to somebody I would be kind of like cool with. And then you just spend enough time with it and you're like, okay, well, that's not a real person. Yeah. But the quips were funny and the haircut was cool and the music was nice. Exactly. So, you know, and I, I will still relate more to Natalie Portman and Garden State than I do to uh, any Catherine Heigl role. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. I was actually going to go even older than that. I was going to say, because she's in my mind now. Uh, because of that interview she just did, but Kathleen Turner in like romancing the stone and Nile, these ideas that, you know, she's like a bit of a stuck up bitch. And then she meets this swashbuckling adventure and, and she lets her hair down. You know, I, I would never identify with that, but I would identify. What was, what what was the Kathleen Turner? Did you not read Uh, the interview? It's amazing. Oh, I'll, I'll send it to you and I'll include it in the show notes, but, uh, so someone sat down and interviewed her about her career and about how she thinks of actresses today. And she is just a no bullshit taking motherfucker. Like yeah. she's like, she's exactly the reason why we all loved Carrie Fisher in her later sure. years. That's yeah. like Kathleen Turner now. So yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. What's that? She's just dropping bombs on on all this shit. Yeah, and like she's she's her own person. She she never allowed herself to be uh, typecast, and uh, she she's very careful not to like she doesn't uh, shit on anybody without cause. <laughs> like, um, but she points out, you know, the, she doesn't name a name, but she says, you know, there's one major actress who's been working consistently for the past 30 years by playing the exact same part over and over and over again. And that's fine. That's what she wants, but that's not what men get to do. And that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to play completely different people in each different role. Uh, And someone on my Twitter suggested that she might be talking about Sandra Bullock, which I think would make sense. Maybe Uh, she doesn't say, but yeah. Well, Sandra Bullock's weird because She's kind of always played the same character, but I think she's kind of done it in in the movie star way, in the way that Harrison Ford has kind of always played the same character. But sometimes he's a librarian and sometimes he's Indiana Jones. Wait, when was uh, Harrison Ford a librarian? Was that regarding Henry or something? I'm sure. He's probably, I don't know. I mean, technically he's a college professor at Indiana Jones beyond all technically, the Technically, yeah. Thing. Uh but yeah, anyway, Kathleen Turner, uh, she's she's just really great, and uh, she she just gives a really like no holds barred look at what it was like to 
to be, you know, you, you go back and you watch these movies from the eighties and the early nineties and the men in them are still working today. And the women are, it's like, who is that? You know, she's just gone. Have you noticed the, the, the trend of women over 30 action hero thing that's happening now? You mean like since uh, Mad Max? So I think Mad Max certainly helped it along, but it would, it's probably somewhere throw into the stew Mad Max uh, as you know the the proof that you know that Charlie Theron can do it or that that people audiences want to go see a strong female, but also Taken and John Wick, like just kind of the general idea of hey, let's take a fairly basic action plot mm. and let's just let an established star who's a pretty good actor and may or may not have ever done action before. Let's just let them out act the part. Yeah. Uh, and that's a good so, point. I've like I've, now, like, obviously that happened with John wick and taken and everything. We've seen a bunch of different, ver- pretty much every, well, excuse me. Uh, Keanu Reeves has done action point break. Thank you. Sure. Speak. But even then, like he's, he's our character in, in, point break right yeah. he's, he's the audience being brought into this crazy he spends as much time woeing as he does doing <laughs> anything action wise right yeah that's fair no I, uh, I, yeah he really he did kick it up a notch yeah I, I think it's action movies with that demand more in terms of acting uh than previous than what we previously have come to expect from action movies yeah, yeah. and so now you're seeing it with uh, well, Charlize Theron did like her John Wick, her like total John Wick yeah. knockoff comic blonde. Well, that's not fair to call it a John Wick knockoff because it's based on a graphic novel that predates John Wick, I believe. Um, okay, then it, it got greenlit because John Wick. <laughs> I think it was also that's one fair. of the same directors too. Yeah, uh, but uh, then there was like the Holly Berry Taken uh, knockoff where. Somebody kidnapped her kid, but it was in a more kind of like routine. It wasn't like the Russian mob or some, you know, Saudi white slavery ring or whatever. I don't think I saw that. Uh, Yeah, it was like somebody just kidnapped her kid and then she went like super mom. It was basically like an hour and a half version of the like, you know, a mom can lift a car when her (laughs) child is in danger. Right. Uh, I'm actually kind of into that. I might watch and there was that. one with Taj B. Henderson, and now I, I've been thinking about it recently because I just started seeing it was like out of nowhere. Jennifer Gardner has uh, one of these like she's running around and killing people oh. action movies, which it's like you know if I were her, I'd be happy that I got to make that movie, but also I would just want to spit in everybody's face that it's like like for real. You had me doing credit card commercials for the last 10 years instead of like coming off alias, like one of the most successful action television shows ever. Like I, yeah. I should have been doing this. I guess she did have Electra and that didn't. Oh, do well. is that I mean, what killed her? Do you think? I think so. Electra yeah. probably, probably spiked, uh, spiked, which garner. isn't fair. Cause it didn't kill. What's his chunk. Who was the other guy? Ben Affleck. Yeah. He's still around. <laughs> No. Well, I mean, that's where they got together, I guess, after that. So, Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe this is all Affleck's fault. <laughs> I would like to personally blame Ben Affleck for most things. <laughs> you know, it really surprises me, though. Like, I always I always thought Matt Damon was the better one, but apparently not. Uh-huh. Like, Matt Damon's kind of a kind of a douche. 
recently. Wait, you mean, do you mean better one as in acting or Everything. like that they're a better person? Everything. Acting. Because, you know, like, I he's more fun for me to look at personally. Uh, but also, you know, he, he did that thing where he defended public school teachers. Somebody took a video of him, like, at a protest or something. And I was like, oh, yeah. this guy's all right. But then, like... In the last couple of months, he he said some dumb shit about me too, about like, whoa, 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 you know, like, it's fine to say that about rapists, but not about guys who just grope women every now and again. Like, he had one well, of those statements. Yeah, but he was like, there was that cadre of people whose careers Harvey Weinstein made. Yeah, that immediately everyone's going to come and like it was it was like everybody was given the same SAT test. Right. And some people did better than others on it. And so it's like, all right. So immediately you think Harvey Weinstein, you think like the indie boom of the 90s. So you're thinking Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Yeah. Right. Those are like probably the top five, like golden age of Miramax. Yeah. You know, the stars that are still stars today. And it's like Kevin Smith, who probably has the least to lose in like clout of Hollywood, probably handled it the best. Yeah. Of just being like, yeah, turns out he was a monster. Yeah, fuck and that I guy. Would, yeah. And, I <laughs> and, was, and then uh, like, here's three different stories about how terrible this guy is. <laughs> like, like if you yeah. would ask me, you know, 10 years ago who who would pass this test i would be oh like okay yeah matt damon will pass the test kevin smith probably not like it's the opposite kevin smith because kevin smith was the bro comedy yeah yeah like you know he's the guy who got rich and famous on you know blowjob jokes and stuff (laughs) like also by the way chasing amy oh Terrible. One of those movies that does not uh, not the test of our modern, like it needs to be understood at the time Although, in which it was offered. I happen to know several lesbians who unironically love it. Well, no, but I think that that's, again, it kind of brings us back to the manic pixie dream girl, yeah. right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of problems with it, but at least it was like a ascendant star being a you know, uh, playing a lesbian character that was like had complicated thoughts and emotions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in a time where that did not happen it, all that much. It's why, you know, we like to talk about, I mean, I, one of my favorite things is talking about problematic faves, you know, because yeah. it's okay to love something and to, at the same time, be able to criticize it. And I, I run into this all the time on Twitter. Like, I watch a lot of movies these days, but I, yeah. I actually only, I'll, I'll like tweet criticisms of things. Like after I saw Solo, I had a bunch of criticisms and I tweeted them and people were like, oh, come on. But it, it was better than, you know, these other Star Wars movies that have come out recently. Yeah. And, stuff. and I'm like, well, yeah, I actually like really enjoyed it in several big ways, but that's why I took the time to criticize it. I wouldn't have well, done that. Was like, there's a problem that I in general have with kind of nerd fandom. Yeah. Uh, which uh, uh, I, I will say that I've had this criticism for a long time before nerd fandom became really problematic. <laughs> but the least problematic of the elements is that everybody kind of there's an advocacy element to it that I think is from an era 
before literally everything was catered to us. Yeah. <laughs> like before every movie franchise, you know, every movie studio is looking, asking us, begging us, hey, what are you reading? We'll make a movie out of it. Right. Who do you want to see in the movie? Well, like get them on Twitter. <laughs> uh, like where if you criticize, there's like this idea that if you criticize it, you're contributing to it going away forever. Right. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case. It might have at some point been the case. I don't think that's the case now. Yeah. I don't don't think it's, it's ever really been the case. I mean, definitely there are some people who criticize things specifically because they want them to go away, but fans of something, you know, generally criticized because they want to make something better and whether or not their criticisms actually are valid and will make the work better. That's not always the case, you know, but like, I mean, God, I, I, I have, I better pump the brakes here. Cause I'm about to defend uh dude bros whining about too many women and people of color. Oh, and there's no, movies, no. like, I do think at their heart, they they want to make it quote unquote better. It's just that their idea of better is racist and sexist and exclusive. So I think most criticism comes from a place of wanting to make something better. It's just that oftentimes it's wrong. <laughs> oh, sure. And we get into the blind rage. Thing. Yeah. And it and now it becomes and that's that to me is always the worrying thing, even on that micro that that uh that that trace elements uh you know uh level is like when it becomes about advocacy and not understanding for art you you're you're always just an inch away from some like problematic things yeah you're never far away because now it just becomes about no 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 but you don't understand this means something different than what you think of. So you need to moderate your speech to, or you need to stop liking this thing because it's bad as a whole. Right. Right. It's bad for this other reason that I may or may not agree with or cotton to. Yeah. Justin, uh, this episode has been longer than any other we've done. (laughs) And this is a thing that gets said a lot. I talk too much. (laughs) No, I've really enjoyed it. It just makes me laugh because, uh, Right before we started, I'm like, so what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's jump in. Uh, but this was, this was really fun. Thank you for chatting with me. Oh, no problem. Always a pleasure. And I can't wait to be there at Piano Fight <laughs> on September 6th, 7 p.m. Is it 7 p.m.? It is. You nailed it. 7 p.m. Uh, playing the big room. Plug the shit out or- of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna win the championship again. I'm, I'm calling my shot. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna wear that belt at the end of the night. I am. I'm gonna do it. I've both the last two times that I was a part of Quizitron, I won and set a record for the lowest score. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, that really that means you're on track to be right in the middle at <laughs> the next one. No, but, uh-uh. okay. no, I'm 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 uh, I'm I am uh, I'm in <laughs> one or the other. Okay, I'm right. You're a man of extremes, and I like that. Uh, You can find ticketing info up now on Eventbrite, and I'll include the link in the show notes below. Justin, thank you so much. I will see you in a few weeks. Okay.